Bible, you can find stories about a number of different fathers. Some are stories that we can look to as examples to emulate, and some, well, not so much. But there is one father who is often overlooked in these stories. Welcome to A Walk in the Word, where we bring you the Sunday sermons from Providence Baptist Church Gaston's worship services. In this week's sermon, Pastor John Friedrich reminds us of a father who was one positive example, even though he was actually a stepfather. Let's join in as Pastor Friedrich preaches a message entitled, The Forgotten Father, from Matthew chapter 1. All right, it's good to be around God's Word this morning with you guys as we take a look at this morning's Word and see what He has to say to us. Uh, so as I said, we are going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter 1. We'll be reading verses 18 through 25. 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on the wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy, Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take, thee, take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from the sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not until she had brought forth the firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, as we come before you once again this morning, we thank you for the glorious opportunity we have to worship you, to praise you, to, to lift your name in song, and to celebrate you uh, in every way, to lift our petitions to you. You're an awesome and truly worthy of our praise, and Lord, we just thank you for that, and thank you for having uh, our, us having your ear, and let us celebrate you in the worship that we bring towards you for you and lord now as we enter into the word we just ask that you help us to prepare our hearts and minds help us to be open and receptive to all the truths that you want us to take from this word today and lord i'm not worthy to stand here and be the one to present your word but i just ask that you take me and use me as your instrument take away anything that could in any way interfere with the message pride, selfishness, distraction, whatever it might be, Lord, just take it away. Fill me with your spirit that I might only speak the words that you've laid upon my heart. And Lord, as a church, continue to guide our decisions, continue to guide our actions, that we might always be serving you and representing you in the manner in which we have been called and not ever become inwardly focused where we are self-serving. And as individuals, help us to continue to look for opportunities to share your gospel, that we might share the truth of your peace and your love and your mercy and grace with all those we come in contact with. And Lord, forgive us of the times we've sinned against you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody probably well knows that uh, 
Today is a day that we celebrate the fathers in our lives. And fathers is kind of a, a, a term that can take on many aspects, and I don't mean that in a lot of what the world sees it today. When I say that, I mean that, that there are biological fathers, there are adoptive fathers, there even are somewhat situational fathers, and men that simply have stepped in to fill the role model of a father in a child's life, uh, fulfilling those responsibilities that a father would have. So. The reality of today's sinful world requires in some cases that fathers not be just purely biological, but in other cases fulfilling the role in a different manner. Um, but the Father's Day actually began uh, all the way back in 1924. And in June 19th of 1924 was the, the, the first Father's Day. So it's been around for a good while. And a woman by the name of Sonora Smart Dodd was behind it. And interestingly enough, uh, apparently the idea came to her while she was sitting in church. And they were celebrating Mother's Day at church. So it only made sense to her that Father's Day would be celebrated as well. So she uh, <clears throat> was in a, a position where she had actually been raised by her father. Her mother had passed away and her father uh, actually raised her um, and uh, it was very special to her. She knew the, the personal sacrifices, the parental sacrifices uh, that he had made in order to do so. And uh, particularly in that day and age, it wasn't an easy thing to pull off. And in her eyes, he was courageous, he was selfless, and he was loving. And she felt that that needed to be recognized. Well, 25 years later, after she, this idea came to her, through her persistent efforts... Calvin Coolidge designated the third Sunday of June as Father's Day. And this is where we are today, where we celebrate Father's Day as we do today. And so once again, we are here celebrating Father's Day. Now, if you look in the Bible, there are all kinds of stories of fathers. There are stories of great legacies, great successes, stories of failure. Stories of failure to act in action. And many, many others. So even in scripture, we see a spectrum of different levels of fatherhood. And there are many, many fathers that are looked on Father's Day as an example of what a father should be. They're preached about. And perhaps, sometimes, even what a father shouldn't look like. But one father that I often see overlooked, and I like looking at this father because people kind of look beyond him to some of the other characters in Scripture so often, is Joseph. And we all know that Joseph was Jesus' earthly father. It wasn't his heavenly father, obviously. He was his earthly father. Every year we, we talk about him sometimes at Christmas. We typically would look at this passage around Christmas time as we celebrate the birth of Christ, obviously. And we hear about him during that time. But in most cases, even then, he is overshadowed by Mary and her role in the birth of Christ. And the reality is, if you look in Scripture and you do some digging, we, we really don't know a whole lot about Joseph. There's not a lot of information there. We do know he's from the lineage of King David. We see that very clearly. We know he was a carpenter. We see that also very clearly in Scripture. But there's really not a whole lot of information about him beyond that. 
Very, very little is known. Very, very little is, information is given in Scripture. In fact, we don't even have in Scripture a time where anything he said is recorded. We see where he has spoken to, but we don't ever hear of anything that he actually spoke in Scripture. And I think that's perhaps for a reason. I think that God intended for it to be that way when he inspired men to pen his, his word because he was a father of action. God didn't want us to be focused on what he said, but rather on what he did and what he performed as a father. What's more is you might note that in the accounts of Jesus' crucifixion, we see a number of references to Mary being there at his crucifixion. But conspicuously absent is any mention of Joseph being around. Now, we don't really know, once again, because Scripture doesn't give us this information and we can't base anything on fact unless we know it's from Scripture. But the assumption has been made that somewhere along the course of the time between the last reference of Joseph in Scripture, which is where he and Mary went back to find Jesus at the temple when he was about 12 years old, and Jesus' crucifixion, about 11 years later, we don't hear anything of him. And we suspect, in most cases, we think that perhaps during that time, it's quite possible and likely, given his absence at the most crucial time in Jesus' life at his crucifixion, that it's quite likely that Joseph passed sometime during that period of time. So that's kind of the assumption. Like I said, it's not in Scripture, so we can't say for a fact. Uh, but I think most people kind of make that assumption on it. And very little is actually said about him, even during the time prior to Jesus' birth and shortly thereafter. <clears throat> Verse 19 of what we read this morning, Scriptures describe him as a just man. Now, the Greek word by implication here also means righteous. We see that term given to a number of other men in the Bible. We see it, Job, for instance, and, and some of the others that we see as presented to us in a positive light in Scripture. Although there is not much said directly about Joseph, we can once again, by his actions, by what we, have see, we see him do, and are told that he does in Scripture, discern some things about his character, some aspects of his character that we need to discuss and need to take away from this so that we see um, as attributes that could be emulated by fathers even today. So as we see recorded in God's Word, and one of the things that we see that we can take away from this was his loving spirit. He had an incredible loving spirit. Joseph demonstrated a loving spirit to two key individuals, Mary and Jesus. Let's look at Mary first, though. I want you to picture this, just in your mind, kind of piece together where Joseph was in his life. Now, he was a spouse to Mary. I mean, he was engaged to Mary at this time, right? The woman of his dreams. He is going to spend the rest of his life with this woman, this beautiful woman that his heart has just fallen for her. One she is, he has chosen for the rest of his life. She agrees to marry him. Plans are being made for the big day. They're, they're going on and they're getting ready for the wedding day. And <clears throat> one day she comes to you and says, oh, I need something, to, there's something I need to tell you. 
I'm pregnant. Now you know that there's no way that you could be the father. You have kept the moral code of God. You have stayed pure during this time as she has, or so you thought. So how does she get pregnant? So you can imagine in Joseph's mind, how in the world could this have happened? This is the woman of my dreams. This is the woman that I have committed the rest of my life to. He knows that there's no possible way that he could be the father. How would you react? How would you feel about a situation like that? Now toss in to the mix here that she is telling you that she got pregnant supernaturally. That she got pregnant supernaturally. Didn't happen normal way. But she seems to be weaving a tale of spiritual conception. Now Joseph is in a position where he is faced with a choice. He is in a position where his heart is likely broken. He doesn't understand how this could happen, how it could be possible. And he is in a position where he has a crossroads. He's at a fork in the road and he has two paths that he can take. Having the proof that the love of his life is pregnant and he isn't the father, he could have very easily taken her to the authorities. Where according to the Levitical law, she was guilty of adultery. And the penalty for adultery was stoning. So, he could have taken this down a very serious road. A road that could have led to an execution even. Now, I have to be honest, I don't know how I would react even in that situation. <clears throat> Given the same circumstances, <clears throat> he had to have felt that his trust was betrayed. I am sure that his heart hurt. He was hurt beyond words. And if that wasn't bad enough, the love of his life kept talking about this bizarre story of how she became pregnant in the first place. As if to try to hide her infidelity. Now keep in mind, at first, Joseph had not had a divine revelation at this point. He had not had a visit from the angel explaining what all had taken place here. So he didn't have the facts. He didn't have all the information he needed to say, oh, okay, I guess everything's good here. So do we see him lash out in anger? Do we see him dragging her off to authorities to have him st her stone? No. As we said before, we see that he has a loving spirit. And it was because of this, we see in Scripture, that he was just going to quietly put this whole matter aside. He was going to quietly divorce her and go their separate ways. He wasn't going to make a big public uh, you know, display of this. He wasn't going to try to embarrass her. He wasn't going to try to make an example of her. No, he was going to do it as quiet as possible. Let's just put this aside. 
No stoning, no public accusations, just a quiet, peaceful exit. He loved her. And it was not in his nature to be vengeful. <clears throat> but then, he gets a visit. He gets a visit from an angelic visitor. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that visitor confirms the very story that Mary has been telling him all this time. Now, if Joseph had been like many fathers we see today, divine origin or not, he could have said, not my child, not my problem, and left. He could have been just washed his hands of the whole affair and said, that's not my problem, I don't need to worry about this. But did I mention his loving spirit? The story we see in the scripture that was written and that is implied is one of a loving, nurturing father. We are given the idea, the, the feeling that Joseph was a good father. He nurtured Jesus. He raised Jesus. He taught him things. He cared for him. He loved him. Taught him the family business. Make sure he went to temple at the appropriate time. And he made sure he got to church. And all of that, we do see him participating. We see him as a gentleman, a caring man, a loving man. But James Dobson once said, one of the best things a father can do for his children is to love the mother. Love their mother. And Joseph loved Mary deeply, and it showed in the caring for Jesus as well. Jesus was not his own, and yet he showed the love as if he was. We've spoken before how children hold a special place in Jesus' heart. Jesus has a special place for children in his heart. Well, here's a man we see who held a special place in his heart for Jesus. The next attribute we see taken away from this is that Joseph was faithful. He was faithful. 1960. I know it seems like a long time ago for you folks, and it, in a lot of ways it, it was. 17, only 17% 17 of children in the United States were raised apart from their biological fathers, meaning 17% in 1960 of the kid, families had an absent father. They were not a part of the, the raising of the children. By 1990, that number had risen to 36%, a full, over, slightly over a third of all households. The kids were raised absent of the father. Today, the latest numbers indicate that more than half, that means one out of every two households, have an absent father. Being a father means being faithful to your wife, but also faithful to your children as well. And above all, faithful to the Lord. It is a biblical charge that the father is responsible for providing for the family. That is the design of a family as God has put it together. It requires a mother and a father in the household, father supporting the household. That is the design as God has created it. I know that there are circumstances today where that doesn't take place. I know there are special circumstances where it's not possible even. But that is how God intended for it to be initially. 
Now we hear this and we automatically assume that it means just from a provisional perspective, meaning he's to earn a paycheck so he can buy food, he can buy clothes, he can pay for shelter, and all the necessities of life for his family. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Those are some pretty harsh words. The Bible says he is worse than an infidel, an unbeliever. If a man will not provide for his household, will not get out there, work and support his family. But oftentimes we forget about the other piece of this. There's another significant responsibility for fathers in the household. And that comes from 1 Corinthians 11.3. It says, But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of every woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Man is the spiritual head of the household. He is responsible for the spiritual well-being of those in his household. Now, oftentimes we see in church, it's just the mom that's bringing the kids. That is actually, unfortunately, quite frequent. But the reality is that the father has the spiritual responsibility of the household. He is to ensure that his kids are taught under the spiritual guidelines. He is responsible for that God be a part of their household. That falls on him, and he is held accountable by God for those things. He has to lead his family spiritually, and that is not possible unless he is spiritually right himself. This is a critical factor that we as husbands and fathers have to remember. You, I know we've got a number of kids here, but that's something you need to be thinking about as you get older and you start thinking about having families and such. That is going to responsibility falls on you spiritually. When we allow ourselves to slip spiritually, we're failing on two different fronts here. We're failing on our front spiritually, but we also are not capable, because of our own spiritual failures, of maintaining our family's spiritual well-being as well. Joseph apparently was in the right place. From what we can see in Scripture, he led spiritually, and he was in the right place spiritually. The first example we see is when the angel came to him and explained Mary's situation. Remember the visit. He, the angel came to him and explained, hey, this is what's going on here. Don't put her away. This is all good. This is, this is all of God. The whole situation is of God. Upon the conclusion of that explanation, we don't see him challenge anything. We don't see the word, but, pop up there like, well, I understand that, but this. Anytime you see but, it means that what's coming afterwards is in contrast to what should be happening. I understand what you're saying, Angel, but I don't want to do I it. I understand what you're saying, Angel, but I don't think that it's something that I can pursue. We don't see any challenge like that. No challenge like that at all. Just simple obedience to what God has told him to do. Now, you might sit back and say, well, of course he did. He had, the angel, after all, said so, and <laughs> all would be well because it was God's child. But you need to remember something. Joseph had to deal with something the entire life of Jesus after that. People had to know that one of two things took place here. Okay? There's not everybody who's going to be 
keyed into the truth that this was a divine conception, that Jesus was conceived uh, supernaturally. So there are two assumptions that everybody around Joseph and Mary are going to make. One of which is they had uh, violated God's laws and, and had relations before marriage. And the other one was that she uh, cheated on Joseph. So they had to deal with this potential talk about uh, people in the background. So, And this would not probably go away. So to remain faithful to God's commands, to remain faithful and step into the responsibility that God had appointed him to, was not without risk or difficulty. This was not going to be an easy road for him. Yet what did he do? He stepped out in faith. He stepped out in faith and did exactly as God had led him to do. And we see yet another example of this. He's given a word of God that says, you need to flee. Take your family. Go to Egypt. Herod is looking for this child. He's looking for Jesus. So you need to go. You need to get out of here. When this happened, he just dropped everything and left. They left. They went to. They they do, didn't say, well, maybe we can hide here. Maybe if we lay low, nobody will remember that we're here. No, he got up and did as God commanded him. He left all that he had and that was comfortable around in order to be faithful to God's leading. And he didn't know how long he was going to be there. He didn't know if this was a permanent move, if they were going to be there just a short time. And this was not a small move. This was a significant distance. He didn't know where they would live. How things would work out there. Much like Abraham, when he was given the command to go, he did not know where it would take him or for how long he would be there. But following God's will for our families will be something all fathers will have to do. And sometimes it's not going to make sense to us. It may even appear to be open-ended. But we need to be faithful to God's calling. We need to look for God's guidance in our families. Seek out what God's purposes and plans are for us. As a spiritual leader, we need to know that for our families. I'll tell you a story. During World War II, a father who was holding his son by the arm was seen running from a building that had just been bombed. In the front yard was this great big hole uh, where the bomb had already exploded. And seeking shelter, the father jumped down in that hole and then called for his son to jump down to him. Well, the problem was, standing on the rim, he couldn't see down in the hole because of all the dust and the darkness and everything. But the father, looking up at the son, could see the silhouette of the boy. You could see him and silhouetted against the sky above him. So the, the boy hesitated and asked, Dad, I can't see you. The father responded, that's okay, son, I can see you, and I won't let you fall, just jump. You see, it's in those times when we can't see the father, we must learn to trust him. When father calls us to do something, our heavenly father calls us to do something, we must trust him and act. Must trust him to be there anyway. Prior experience with the father will make it easier to jump when we need to, when we know that God has been there for us, when we have experienced that our faithfulness in stepping out into the unknown in obedience to God and Him being there waiting on us will make those things easier as we go along. 
But men is we have a responsibility as the head of the household to be faithful to God and to follow his commands. And there's a follow-on to being faithful to God. We will be faithful to our family, whether in marriage relationship or in the raising of our children. We cannot be unfaithful to them without also being unfaithful to God. We are denying, we are refusing our responsibility when we do those things. The two go hand in hand. So Joseph's faithfulness was shown in his actions. This is important as well. Talk is cheap. We can sit there and say all we want, but our actions will reveal the truth. We cannot be a father that says one thing and does another. We would just be well, just as well off not saying anything. The last area that Joseph demonstrated an attribute that was key was he was sacrificial. Now, as a parent, we are often faced with making sacrifices for the sake of our families. Joseph was making, had to make sacrifices from the very, very beginning of the marriage. Remember, I made the comment that there would be an assumption amongst other people that knew them that some things had gone on that weren't on the up and up. It wasn't true. We know the truth that Jesus was supernaturally conceived and everything was square with God, everything in line with what God's plan was. But others weren't going to see it that way. The ridicule, the hidden talk, and the scorn that was something that Joseph was willing to make sacrifices for. His reputation was at stake and he was willing to sacrifice it for the sake of Mary and Jesus. He didn't care what people thought. He didn't care what people said. He was willing to set all that aside for the sake of Mary and Jesus. As we said before, he could have washed his hands of the whole thing. He could have walked away, divorcing Mary and walking clean of the whole situation. But instead, he was willing to put his reputation aside. What's more is there was a whole idea of, uh, you know, the firstborn was known to carry on the family name. And now in his mind, he's thinking, this child that is going to be born is not truly my child, and yet he is going to carry my family name. So how does he handle it? Sacrificially. He has no problem with it in any way. He decided to put God's plans and his responsibilities as a father before anything else. But see, this is how we are told to love. Over and over again in Scripture, we are told to love sacrificially. Remember the verse in 1 Corinthians 13? It's also often called the love verses where it describes what love is. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7, Charity, which is love, suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, meaning doesn't boast of itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, meaning it's not self-serving, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. If you'll note the underlying theme for all of those parts of the verses that are we're, we talked about here, you'll notice there's a common thread that runs through it all. And they require sacrifice on the part of the one who is doing it. The one who is demonstrating love. Sacrifice of self. But isn't that what God calls us to do, really, 
as part of our Christian life, we are to sacrifice. The Christian walk is a sacrificial walk. It is a life of sacrifice for others. To give of ourselves as a living sacrifice, as Paul puts it. When you consider what Jesus sacrificed for us, it only falls that we'd be asked to sacrifice in some way in our lives. Because Jesus gave it all. Jesus gave everything that we might be reconciled to God. So why not give our lives back? Since we've been purchased, we've been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was an atonement for you and I. He came into this world sinless. Conceived of the Holy Spirit so that he was not born with the sin that we come into this world with. So that he could be the perfect sacrifice and offer himself for our sins. Because we have a sin problem. And we can't do anything about it. There's not a one of us in this building tonight, or this, this morning, that can do anything about our sins. In and of ourselves. We would stand before God in the day of judgment with empty hands. And I say, oh my, all these good works I did, they don't mean anything. They don't affect the sin. Yeah, they might help people here, but they don't have any impact on the sins you committed. They don't negate them in any way. They don't counter them in any way. Sin has to be dealt with on its own level. And the only way the Bible says is that death has to occur, spiritual separation, in order for our sins to be dealt with. In other words, to pay for our sins. That's what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus went to that cross he took on and became sin so that God would pour his wrath out upon him that we might have an opportunity to stand before God in the day of judgment and be accepted. Not through our righteousness, but the righteousness of Christ and what he did for us. But that's only possible if we're willing to step out and accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. The Bible says if we will confess our sins before God, and believe that he died on the cross for our sins and rose again three days later, we can be saved. So on this Father's Day, this day we celebrate the Father, why not embrace your Heavenly Father through accepting Jesus Christ and start a new relationship with a new Father that you may never have known before? Let's stand as we go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Fathers, we come before your throne this morning. We are grateful that we've had this time together. Lord, we thank you for the example that Joseph has given us this morning. We thank you for your word that exposes for us the attributes that we need to take away and live in our own lives as fathers. And we just ask that you help us to be the role models, the leaders that you have called us to be, Lord. Help us to continually lead our families, protect them, provide for them, both now and those that are going to have families in the future, Lord. And Lord, help us, if there are any in the, in the 
sound of my voice, whether that be here today or in our live stream or our podcast, Lord, just help us to to be reached by your Holy Spirit, Lord. If there are any that have not become a child of yours, any that have not yet recognized their need for a Savior, help them to stand before you and understand their total lack of anything to offer you to pay for their sins so that they might embrace Jesus Christ as their Savior and live a life that is honoring and glorifying to you. And Lord, just help us to continue to walk in your path that you have for us, that you might be honored and glorified with every step of the way. And Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Tune in next time for another Walk in God's Word. Podcasts are available in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music and Audible, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, CastBox, Downcast, and BeyondPod. Search for and subscribe to Providence Baptist Church Space-Space Gaston Sermons. Until next time, may God bless you as we await His joyful return. Hi, this is John Friedrich, pastor of Providence Baptist Church. It's my prayer that our time together has helped you grow in your walk with God, or maybe he's even used it to guide you to discover the wonderful gift of salvation. If you're ever in our area, we would love for you to come worship with us. Our address is Providence Baptist Church, 977 Metafield Road, Gaston, South Carolina, 29053. If you'd like to contact us, you can do so through our website at www.providencembcgaston.com or email us at ProvidenceNBCGaston at gmail.com. Again, thank you for tuning in, and we look forward to you joining us next time as we take a walk in the Word.